Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we explore the big political stories of the moment. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. This week, President Cyril Ramaphosa finally made the much-anticipated changes to his cabinet, including appointing Paul Mashatile as his deputy president. What do we have then? A more effective and efficient cabinet or simply a shifting of the deck chairs on the ship? Joining us for this episode of the Politics Weekly is Professor William Kumete, Associate Professor at the School of Governance and a previous guest on this show. With immediate effect. When people zone. And I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Jefferson. Order, Jefferson. Point of order, ruling party by strength of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The NC president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Welcome to the show, Prof. Why do we need a cabinet of this size? And why so many deputy ministers? It just felt to me like we're loading the cabinet with deputy ministers. Do do ministers need to have... Some of them have got two deputy ministers? Thank you for having me on the program. Again, it's such a joy um, to have the discussion with you. I think the first, just to start off, just to say that the cabinet is simply just too large. It's too large because it will make decision-making very slow. Um, Coordination is going to be very, very difficult. In fact, it is going to undermine um, efficiency and uh, undermine performance. I mean, if you look, um, since the Second World War in developing countries, it's done very well in terms of execution. Um, Normally, they would have cabinets of between 12 people and and sort of maximum 20. Um, If you think about the the great big growth years, of uh, Japan, Singapore, and South Korea after the Second World War, they've done that with relatively very, with very, very few or, or small cabinets, but cabinets of quality. Um, so you get quality people, uh, you get your top people in the country, top skill sets, and then you have a smaller uh, uh, cabinet. So in our case, what will happen now, unfortunately, I think there's going to be a lot of duplication as it has been in the past. Now, the trick is, I think, you know, what. Uh, President Ramaphosa and also other presidents have, have tried to do, ANC president, instead of taking out, you know, some of your really incompetent uh, cabinet ministers, um, they actually move them around and then they bring in dead wood of, you know, from the opposing faction in order to create uh, unity um, in government in the ANC. And then uh, they then add to that, you know, new people that they hope are going to deliver. Now, instead, what then happens is actually now just a duplication and you don't get the delivery. Mm. I'm, I'm going to try and connect the changes to the challenges which are facing the country, you know, to try and marry or, or correlate, you know, if we can. You know, I don't know if the president does try to do that when he's thinking about uh, changing his cabinet or appointing people to cabinet. From where you're sitting, what would you say are the critical challenges facing the country? Maybe three of the most pressing ones, would you say? Energies, you know, top of the agenda. Um, our economy is top of the agenda. Um, 
but our our, our trade also um, you, you know very high and then police if you look at you know these critical areas one would have expected the president used this opportunity to bring in some change in these um, uh, up you know in these critical um, areas um, but we haven't seen that and you know there there was actually a great opportunity for the president because the president can make two appointments at ministerial level um, where people are not members of parliament. So he could have used these critical areas um, to appoint, you know, people from outside, people with a kind of real industrial skills to come in and and who have no connections with the ANC, no connections with the patronage system and actually deliver uh, in a crisis mode, deliver the public services. For example, I mean, you could have brought in someone specifically um, to deal with the police, for example, because, you know, that's a critical issue. Lack of rule of law in the country makes investment impossible, makes employment creation um, impossible. He could have done the same with someone in education, bring in a specialist um, education person who's not linked to the patronage factions of the ANC to try to turn around uh, public um, education. So it really has been a missed opportunity. Um, and also what the president could have done is also bring in, I know, you know, I mean, the sad thing is about the ANC is it's, you, you know, unfortunately on its backbenches, you know, his members of parliament, um, they're very, very, you know, the talent is very thin. Um, so there's not many people that he could have brought in to strengthen um, his cabinet, but he could have searched harder um, to find people um, in the ANC's backbenches and bring them in, you know, to turn around these critical areas. Mm. Mm. Are, are we not perhaps on on parallel universes with the with the president? You know that we may have expected that he will put together a new cabinet that addresses at least most of the problems you know that the country is facing, uh, when in fact he is addressing a completely different set of problems which have got nothing to do with the country. I mean, sadly, the president did not reshuffle his cabinet to deal with the critical challenges that the country is facing. But he put together a cabinet, really, um, to tackle, um, you know, to unify the ANC um, and to build, um, you know, his constituency within the ANC and to please the ANC. And for me, that is a heartbreaking thing, um, because by trying to satisfy the ANC, by resuffling to make the ANC factions happy, he then undermines, um, you know, the ability of the country uh, the economy and and, and governments um, to deal with the critical uh, critical issues. I mean, if you, clearly, if one look at the appointments that he have made, um, um, essentially what he tried to do uh, was to include um, some of the popular leaders elected at the ANC's national executive. Sorry, the ANC's national um, elective conference in December. Um, those who made it to the top of the NEC. And then what he tried to do is retain some of his core supporters, you know, some of the people that helped him to be re-elected, like Gwenamantas, the Mineral Resources and Energy Minister. And then he also tried to retain some of his opponents in order, you, you know, to construct a sense of unity in the top structure of the ANC. Now, you know, we've seen the last couple of years, the focus on Unifying the ANC has actually undermined the country, um, the economy, um, and, and the political stability of the country. Mm. I, I was surprised, you know, the, you know, just observing uh, the president speak, that the and even the content of the announcement, because he actually started with a disclaimer that this is not an overhaul of cabinet, you know, 
And from then on, it, it seemed to me, it, it suggested to me that he does not act like a man who recognizes we're in crisis. He says, no, 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 the cabinet uh, configuration will be addressed at some point further down the line. No, no, absolutely. You know, the expectations has been uh, were so high at this cabinet, and particularly because the president de- delayed it for such a long time because he was consulting all of the factions of the ANC to try to make sh- certain that he pleased um, every uh, faction and he brought every uh, representative from every faction into this cabinet. So clearly, I mean, what he said, really that the president and the ANC, uh, ANC leadership have not really read the room of South Africa. Um, you know, they've removed, um, they live in a bubble, not understanding, you know, the real suffering of people and the sense of hopelessness and um, the expectations um, from people. So I think, you know, this resuffling um, could have, because the resuffling is focused on unity and, and really unity, I for the ANC ahead of next year's election. So essentially, um, you know, President Ramaphosa has tried to to build um, unity to try to unify the ANC uh, ahead of his ANC's, the national election campaign next year. But what he would do really is, I think it has disappointed people to such an extent and people who've been, ordinary people have been hopeful that this cabinet will actually be the moment, I think, where the ANC actually lost power. So, so when we look back after next year's national elections and the ANC dropped below 50%, I think we will look back at, at this moment of this resuffling, a resuffling for unity of the ANC and not uh, a resuffling for um, the unity of the country and the interests of the country as the moment um, where people gave up totally on the ANC. Yeah, the, the expectation after December, after the the conference, you know, uh, looking at uh, uh, Sir Ramaphosa's position, you know, relatively strengthened, more more strengthened uh, position as leader of the ANC. A lot of people were saying, okay, now he's, he, this is the time when he's going to show us what uh, what stuff he's made of. And, you know, basically to try to shape both the ANC and government in his, you know, to, to his liking, you know, and may and and basically deliver on his, his initial promises, you know, of fixing the state, you know, fixing the country, fixing the economy, fighting corruption, etc. And that he would appoint people who would be tasked with doing exactly that and without kowtowing to, you know, to the different factions in the party. You know, um, the president's strategists and advisors and some of his supporters have been saying the last couple of years that the reason why the president has been so lackluster and so un- uh, indecisive has been that he, you know, at the previous national conference in 2017, that he got a narrow victory and he didn't feel confident and he needed to consolidate his power. And I think after his really big victory now, the December 2022 um, national conference, there was obviously expectations. Well, now that the president has been re-elected as president of the ANC with a really big margin, that now he will re- he will assert himself and he will assert his authority, and he will do all of the things that you know society wants him to do. He will introduce the reforms, and I think uh, you know is the moment for him was 
you know, a day or so after he was re-elected as ANC president, he sort of announced there a new cabinet, a reinvigorated cabinet, uh, new energized people. That was the moment because normally when you get re-elected either at, your, as a, at a party or at the national elections, that is normally where presidents are at their strongest, and that is when they um, should make um, their critical appointments. Now, I think he didn't do that. He delayed it because he wanted to consult all of these different factions and structures um, uh, of the ANC. So what it, I think what it shows about him that actually, um, you, you know, the next five years, although he has a, a bigger margin uh, of support within the ANC, he will remain as indecisive and he will remain focusing on unifying the ANC rather than introducing the shock therapy in the, in the economy and in the country that we need. I mean, I think if you remember at the beginning of his presidency early on, he, he stated that he would rather be seen as a weak president in his quest to unify um, the ANC. He doesn't want to see an ANC that's... Um, that breaks up. So he and so even if people criticize him as a weak president, he will accept it. So I think um, that is really what we're going to, going to see even for the next five years if the ANC is still in government. One of the of the debates that have come up, you know, in the wake of the supposed or or the reshuffle that that didn't quite happen, is how cabinet ministers are, are appointed or to, or selected for appointment. You know, one view is that you need to get you appoint people to portfolios that speak to their qualifications than their and their capabilities and their you know maybe intellectual you know ability etc um the other is that actually being a cabinet minister or a political head you don't have to be an expert yourself it's a question of management the ability to manage wherever you send in other words it should be possible for example to move a minister from one portfolio to the other without any trouble what is your take on that you know, I have a different view. Um, I think in a developing country like our country and uh, an emerging market economy, it is very important to, you know, when cabinet appointments are made, that the cabinet ministers have um, at least the competency related um, to the officers that they are appointed. Now, in other countries, maybe, you know, you don't, in industrial countries, maybe you wouldn't need such a requirement because the public services in, in those countries are so strong and so competent and, and based on merit. But in our case, um, where appointments to cabinet is not necessarily made on merit, but really to the political cadre system, it then becomes important to get uh, you know, cadres, uh, political cadres that are appointed as cabinet ministers to have at least some kind of competency as close as possible um, to the departments that they are appointed to. Mm. So you would not, you would not have appointed Cindy uh, Siwe Chikunga, for example, to transport because she she's very highly qualified, but her qualifications are in the men, medical field. Or in the healthcare field. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, just think about it. You know, the, these critical areas, infrastructure, you know, including uh, transport. Um, so we need quick turnarounds there because you know it's uh, infrastructure and, and transport is so critical to our economy, so critical to the turnaround. So you really want to appoint somebody there um, that at least have some kind of technical skill set within the infrastructure system. Um, who at least is uh, an engineer or something related to that, or somebody who has headed uh, some, you know, transport-related 
um, organization or entity um, and so on. It's like, if you think about it, you know, the uh, appointment um, in the past of, of chairperson of ESCOM, uh, Professor William Mahoba was a medical do uh, doctor. Uh, in a critical area where you want to have, where you, the country needs a, a quick turnaround. Uh, and then he, although he obviously is a competent person, but he, that what, you know, engineering and, and power was not his core competency and he really struggled mm. there. Mm. Now let, let, let's go, let's go to the to the minister of electricity, which was like the kind of uh, highlight, you know, if you like, apart from the deputy presidency appointment, the the, the highlight of the of, of the announcement, you know, made by the president. The, the, do you think that uh, he will be able that Jose Ramchopa will be able to make a a difference? Or a big difference, in other words, uh, halt or reverse or eliminate completely load shedding. I mean, the, the good thing about his appointment is that he is an engineer, so you know he has um, broad competency um, in the area. Not necessarily, obviously, um, in, uh, on the mechanical or uh, side, he's on the civil engineering side. So you you know that at least is 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 a good thing. I mean, the bad thing for him really is that. Um, you know, one of the problems why we haven't had the, the turnaround at ESCOM and the turnaround um, in our energy policy is that there's been a duplication of oversight. You know, we've got uh, Minerals and Energy Minister uh, Gwede Mantas um, uh, overseeing ESCOM, but we also have Pravin Gordon as a public enterprises minister um, overseeing ESCOM. So there's been duplication, um, you know, different views of how to take forward um, ESCOM. And now we're bringing in a minister of electricity. And unfortunately um, for, you know, Ramahoba, um, that he is not a very senior person in the ANC and that Gwede Mantas, who is the national chairperson of the ANC, is almost a de facto prime minister. And he is a key individual in, he helped uh, President Ramaphosa getting, uh, getting re-elected at the ANC's uh, national conference. So his profile is bolstered, his power is bolstered. And so I cannot see how um, the new electricity minister is going to coordinate uh, both Mantas and Gordon, two very strong individuals with very strong views of where to take um, ESCOM. Obviously, they haven't been successful so far, but they still believe that, uh, you know, their way of doing it is still, uh, are still right. Both individually think so. So I think, you know, the new electricity minister may actually be marginalized and squeezed out by these two big titans um, of the ANC, and this may actually be, sadly for, for Ramahova, this could actually be the end, really, possibly, of his career. I think, he might, you know, I, I mean, if you remember, Gwede uh, Mantas, um, a few months ago, said, um, after he heard speculation about that there may be an electricity minister, he said, well, well, anyone who's going to be appointed will be like a project manager. And I think that really is what the new electricity minister is going to be, a project manager who's going to be pushed around uh, by um, other ANC cabinet ministers. But that, doesn't that then bring the role of the, of the president uh, into sharp focus? Because he is the sponsor of uh, the new minister, of the minister of electricity. So one would expect that he would uh, provide the presidential backing to him to be able to do what he needs to do. 
You know, because the president's style so far has been to try to please all factions, uh, you know, so what in practical terms, what it, what it has meant in cabinet is that instead of dealing with the inefficiencies like, you know, getting, for example, getting Guerreman Taz out of the energy space because he's been proven to be inefficient, the president would rather in such uh, cases um, appoint another person, so duplicate. So, you know, hoping that the new appointee in a different ministry uh, will, will, by miracle, uh, will now um, deliver uh, uh, and so on. So that has been his, his style. That is why you can see, for example, just in the president's own office, I mean, there's a lot of task teams, there are commissions, there are um, structures. It's almost like a parallel public service. And unfortunately, um, that parallel pub public service, in even in the presidency themselves, they've been totally ineffective because the public service really delivers and performs. Uh, it's their task to do that. Mm. And if uh, there is a parallel public service in the presidency, they'll be marginalized, uh, you know, uh, and, and what is and that is what has happened in the public service. So I think it will happen again now with a new electricity minister in cabinet. Mm. Let, let's talk quickly before we wrap up uh, about Paul Mashatile, the new deputy president of the country. He's uh, 61 uh, I think I think the president is pushing seventy. Is he a shoe in for next president? You know, I think um, Paul Masatila is very likely going to be um, the new president of the ANC. I think it's a matter of time. Um, so, if you know, by the look of it, if the ANC drops below fifty uh, percent in next year's national elections, I think there's going to be introspection. There may be a rebellion against the leadership. Of President Ramaphosa because President Ramaphosa will then be the first ANC leader since 1994 that brought the ANC down to under 50% in a national election. And I think then Paul Masatella like, is then likely going to be the suit in to take over. So it may be then that President Ramaphosa, in reality, based on this reshuffling, which really hasn't really strengthened his authority um, or his credibility within the ANC itself that he may actually be out of power and out of the presidential leadership of the ANC after next year's national elections and Paul Masatira will be taking over. Mm. I think we'll wrap it up there on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly for this week. And we'd like to thank our guest, Professor William Kumete, who's Associate Professor at the School of Governance at Vets University. We appreciate your time. I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed, and let's do good for our country.